Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Welcome to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. Our prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit. Today, our topic will be I'm dealing a little bit with worship. Again, not exhaustive. I'm not going to exhaust everything that can possibly be said about worship. We're just going to touch on a few things. And particularly, I want to look at uh, the tools that have been made available to us to worship, because I go, I, I watch a lot of, um, I go on YouTube sometimes, perhaps more than I should, looking at different types of church services, etc. And particularly some of the younger, cooler, hipper churches. And it's very disheartening, some of the things that I see. And, uh, you know, I'm, I know a lot of people play clips and stuff like that, but I'm not dealing with that whole copyright strike stuff. So um, you, won't, you won't be hearing me playing any crazy clips. Besides, it just consumes time on your show anyway. And uh, and then, you know, you're almost doing free advertising for, the, for, for nonsense and foolishness. Not to say I would never do it, but I see no reason to do it here. Um, but... There are a lot of various worship styles in the church. You have what they call worship wars, so to speak. It seems like for some reason in the church, we fight about everything. And I'm as guilty as the next man. Um, I'd like to believe that my motives, though, are pure in the sense or correct in the sense that um, I want to see Christ honored. Christ died for me. We love Christ, and I want to see Christ honored. And I'm sure some of the people on the other side would argue the same thing. And that's cool. That's cool. You know, I, I kind of get that. Um, that whole idea. But then there are others. There are some. And I think this is where the majority of it comes in with a younger, hipper, cooler style. Because I used to be the same way. And in a sense, I'm kind of still the same way. But um, they want to use music as an evangelistic tool. And you can use it that way. It can be a great evangelistic tool. Um, you can use the arts, plays, etc. Um, the one play that I saw, the so-called Easter play, it wasn't the fact that they put on an Easter play on Sunday morning service. 
okay, you want to be a little creative. You want to get the message of the gospel out. I, I get it. You can put on a little Easter play. And the production and everything was A1. I mean, it was, it was top of the line. The only thing that I disagreed with wasn't the fact that they put on a play for Easter, Easter morning was that they didn't get the story right. A lot of the theology in there was just horrible. And I was like, what is this, you know, um, that's going on here? And so they, they, they really embellish a lot. So what they should have said, we before they started, at least put up a disclaimer and said, look, we did we we took some creative license with the story here. Um, but, you know, if you want to see what the real story was like, what really happened, you know, give us some scriptures so they can see the Bible. What really was said in the scriptures about that particular um, about the event of the of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and the music has gotten a lot cooler, I guess. And um, I myself was I was when I was a young man was at the forefront of that. I had my own contemporary Christian music show, and I um, actively pr proceeded or, or, or worked at. Uh, incorporating uh, contemporary Christian music, not into the worship service. I, even then, I had enough sense. I said, "Like this is not." I knew then it was not for worship. It was it was these. It was an evangelistic tool. It's not for inside the church on a Sunday morning per se, which is is for the in gathering of the church. Sunday morning is the service is not an evangelistic service. Now, does that mean somebody can wander? What if somebody wanders in from the street and wants to get saved? Well, then we'll pray with them. Or, you know, we hope that people do get saved any day of the week, Sunday morning or otherwise. But that's not its prime directive. That can be a, a, a side effect or, or uh, I don't want to say collateral damage, a collateral blessing is that somebody gets saved in a service. That, that can happen. In fact, I've seen it happen where there's genuine biblical worship going on. I've seen the Holy Spirit convict sinners of sin and people get saved. So it does happen. But again, have, just because it happens does not now mean we need to make every service evangelistic. That would be a mistake. The idea of the Sunday morning service or the time, it was for the in-gathering of the believers, that's our time to worship God collectively and then for us to be edified and built up as a body uh, through fellowship, through prayer, praise, and fellowship and the proclamation of the word. Prayer, praise, and proclamation of the word. That's how, that's what the Sunday morning service is for, and to build us up, and to edify the body, and to encourage the saints. That's that's the perspective of that. Um, now, if somebody gets saved, great. We're not against anybody getting saved anytime. That's that's fine. So that's what our worship service, but our Sunday morning services are for worship. And so I I had the contemporary Christian music show. We I had a, a co-host, uh, friend Randy, and we would go out sometimes to the streets. We'd interview people. Like I think one of the best shows we got a good review on was we did one on uh, Who Do You Say Jesus Is? And we played some gospel music that talked about Jesus, who Jesus is. It was a 30-minute show. And then we um, interspersed it with commentary about who Jesus is and why people need to accept Christ. So, and that we got a really good response out of that. We did, we did a, a couple other shows and we played contemporary Christian music, and it was uh, it was effective. It was it was it was quite effective, um, and I got a lot of positive feedback on it. 
And so I'm not against contemporary Christian music. I think it's a great tool. It's a, it can be a great evangelistic tool. Um, I just don't believe it belongs in a Sunday morning service per se. Um, and I have my reasons for that. And when I say contemporary Christian music, and I know that's a very broad term, but you know, a lot of the uh, let me put it this way: a lot of the Christian rock, pop, hip hop. You know things of that nature. Um, now, can you do worship music in those genres? Yes, you can. You can do worship music in all those genres, but most of the music that's done in those genres are not designed for in-house worship in the church. It's more designed for an evangelistic tool or as an outreach. Um, and and yes, some of it can be even edifying to the church, uh, to to saints, etc. But as a but by and large, by and large, the the goal here should not be to um, incorporate that. At least I wouldn't incorporate it into the uh, Sunday morning worship service. And again, um, fact check me. You don't have to agree with me. It's okay. It's not the end of the age. I'm I'm trying to create conversations and thought and maybe help us rethink some things, and perhaps do a better job. Um, of it than we've done here in the past. But the scripture that was read out of Ephesians, um, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about uh, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, That's Ephesians chapter 5. And I started at the 17th verse, and we read all the way down to the 21st, 17 to 24. And it talks about uh, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And it seems like the apostle here lays out for us uh, one of the ways in which we can encourage and edify one another. You can also find it it in Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And uh, you back up a little bit further, uh, verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonish. How do we teach and admonish one another? In all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We admonish one another in all wisdom. So the, the, in order to admonish and to encourage us in the church, the Bible says we should do it through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I guess spiritual songs are where contemporary music would fall under. And again, I'm not opposed to some of the contemporary worship per se. Um, I do have some problems with, 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 with a lot of it. Yes, I, I do. I have a problem with a whole bunch of it. But that's not to say now that we cannot create new modern contemporary styles of worship. We can do that. But what I, the, the issue, the bone that I have to pick, the axe that I have to grind with the modern contemporary worship models is that a lot of what's written is not biblical and it doesn't really bring us closer to the Lord. It's just uh, seven words repeated seven times would just be just a lot of, of unnecessary repetition. But there's no depth uh, to it. Uh, notice the Bible starts off with the Psalms. And uh, so we're going to look at all three of these areas of the Bible lays out for us. And then we'll um, 
going to critique some of the uh, the modern songs. And yes, of course, I'm going to pick out the worst ones possible. That's not to say there aren't any good ones. In fact, I'm going to pick out a couple of good ones that I that I do like that I have on my playlist. So um, that's what we're going to look at today. And I'm going to call this episode "What's on Your Playlist." Okay. So, what is on your playlist? What do you What do you listen to when you're in your car in terms of gospel music? Now, I I listen to secular music as well. I'm not opposed to Christians listening to secular music. Um, I don't listen to all secular music. Some things I don't like, some things I do like. Yes, you have to be selective, even there. But all secular music is not evil and and, and demon-possessed. Um, but again, you just have to use a little bit of uh, a little bit of common sense in what you're listening to. And you should be able to discern and say, well, I'm not, I'm not really into that. Um, I like all genres of music. Um, I like... Um, Anything from light music, light light music to rock to metal to R and B, etc., and hip hop and some country, not into the old style twangy type country, but more the contemporary country music. And people say, "Oh, it's a lot about sin." Yes, music is singing about life. It's about what happens in life, etc. And uh, again, you can be selective. You don't have to listen to everything, and you don't have to accept everything that the musicians are saying per se. But again, that's not a heaven or hell issue and not a hill that I'm going to die on. But then I also have my sacred playlist when I know this time, when I know it's time for worship, etc. And so what do I do when I have my moments of worship? What are some of the things that I, um, that I listen to? So let's start off here with the Psalms. Now, always remember that every book of the Bible, every book of the Bible, has a major theme. Well, actually, the overarching theme of the Bible is Jesus. And we see that in, in Luke's gospel on the road to Emmaus um, when he was talking with the apostles and he says all things were, you know, old fools and slow of heart to believe all that the Bible teaches about me because everything in the scriptures was about Christ. So it's all about him. So we, we need to start there. Um, and, and so that every scripture, every book of the Bible is going to be focused on Christ but maybe different aspects of Christ. For example, if you go to Song of Solomon, that's about intimacy. Um, obviously between a husband and his wife. And uh, also, yes, you can do a metaphor with it as Christ in the church because Ephesians, when it talks about uh, the fifth chapter, it talks about husband loves your wives and it goes through that whole long list. It says, but I show you a mystery. I speak of Christ in the church. So it, Paul uses marriage as a metaphor for the relationship of Christ and the church as being the same way as relationship between a husband and wife. So that does fit that, that narrative. So yes, I believe in the Song of Solomon, it is about intimacy, not just sex, it's intimacy, uh, which includes sex, yes. But it's, a more, it's also about intimacy between a, a man and his wife. Very important thing to, to see. Um, uh, so again, very important to see. So we, we are, um, 
kind of understand how these things fit. And then you can allegorize it as well, I think, because it's a book of poetry. And you can also see how the, the relation between the husband and the wife in intimacy also can be a reflection of intimacy between Christ and, and his bride. Um, then you can go to Proverbs. Proverbs is written for young people. Young people who needs wisdom more than young people. Not to say that older people don't need wisdom too, because we all need wisdom. I need wisdom. And so for that reason, um, we need to get the, the, the wisdom of God uh, for our lives. Very important. And that's for young people, primarily. Then you go to the book of Genesis. It's the book of beginnings. A lot of firsts are in there. The first city, the first musicians, the first marriage, the first whatever. It's a book of beginnings to see how things began to begin and to form. Um, you know, you got Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Those are the, the, the laws of God. Those are the, the both civil, ceremonial, and and, um, and and moral law. It's all in there. But it's a mixture. And so you have to separate it, separate them out. But it's all there. Um, the book of Numbers, a, a record keeping, God keeping good records of who beget who, who beget who, et cetera, et cetera, are very important in genealogy and, and for the history of the nation of, of Israel. And so on and so forth. So you go through all the various books and they, they have a, a, a particular theme. This book of Psalms, if you want to learn how to pray, if you want to learn how to worship, I see two things, three things in the Psalms. They'll teach you how to pray and how to worship God. And I think the under the under the underlying message of it. So you have like a like the main the main topic, like you have the major and then you have the minor. And I think the minor topic in Psalms is human emotions, the emotional life, because you can find every range of human emotion in the Book of Psalms, and and from anger to depression to fear to jubilation, all the various ranges of emotions, even the negative ones. You read Psalms 18, I think what they call imprecatory Psalms. You read Psalms 18 where uh, David said, I pursued my enemies and I beat them small as a dust. Break the teeth of the wicked Lord. And, and they cried unto the Lord and even he didn't hear them. So David evidently is angry, and he's t he's asking God to judge his enemies and rain fire and brimstone on them, etc. Um, what this tells me is that you can bring all your emotions to God, including your negative ones, lay them on the altar, pour your heart out to God. And if you're angry, God, I'm angry, and I'm mad about bop 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 bop. Lord, I'm scared. I'm I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. You know. Um, Lord, I'm depressed right now. I just feel lonely. I feel depressed. Um, you know, and and yes, you know, even if it's manic depressive, I feel like committing suicide right now, Lord. All those things, you take them to God. Now, don't, don't go out here and commit suicide, please. Nobody. But I'm just simply saying, if you have those suicidal thoughts, you can bring them to Christ. Bring them to God. God does not freak out. He doesn't like, oh, no, what am I going to do, you know? So just because you say God get my enemies doesn't mean God's going to go and get your enemies. But you can go and ask him. Or tell him how you feel, at least. And so I think that a lot of the venting that we do with each other, sometimes you just need to go in your prayer closet and just vent to God exactly how you feel. Okay? And uh, don't charge God foolishly. And I'm not talking about going to the closet and cuss God out. I'm not talking about that. But just tell God, I feel this way. I feel like anger. I feel hurt. 
I feel betrayed. I feel like cussing. I'm not saying you're too cuss, but I feel like it, Lord. And just lay those things out before God. And allow God to then, and then you spend that time and you give God time where God begins to respond to your to your outpouring. Sometimes he may come with rebuke. He might do that, but that's divine prerogative. Other times God will calm us down. Other times you'll get into the word and then God will help you to uh, to process some of what's happening to you. Um, if, if you're mourning, if you have loss of a loved one and you're grieving, um, you know, the Psalms are good for that. And, you know, the, you see in the book, it says, you know, different psalms that you can pray for when you're feeling certain ways, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, th that, that's, that's fine that you can go through the psalms and you can do that. Uh, but the psalms teaches us how to interact with God, how to talk to him about that type of relationship. Um, you know, Psalms 119, the whole chapter is about the law. The longest chapter in the Bible isn't, isn't interesting. The longest chapter in the Bible is about the Bible. It's about the law of God, the words of God. Um, that's how important they are in worship. So again, don't disconnect yourself from worship. When you talk about worship, the word of God should be involved in your worship. That's part of it. Reading of God's word, prayer, praise, and proclamation of the word, and the reading of God's word. All those are acts of worship. We tend to think, oh, we, once we stop singing, the worship service is over. No, the whole service, the whole entire service is worship. The prayer, the praise, the proclamation of God's word, the reading of God's word, all of that, uh, the, I, the, the, the giving um, of your finances, all those are acts of worship to God. So if you want to learn how to pray properly, and yes, we have, well, they call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's our prayer because it's, it can't be the Lord's Prayer because it says, forgive us our sins uh, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, Christ doesn't, has never trespassed against anyone. So it's not that prayer is not for him. It's for us. It's more of a template. You don't actually have to pray those exact words, but you can, I guess, if you want. Um but the real Lord's Prayer is the 17th chapter of John, which is the high priestly prayer of Christ. That's the true Lord's Prayer. This one here, the other, that we normally call the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, I call that the, the, the Disciples' Prayer. If you're a follower of Christ, that's, that's the prayer that we pray. Uh, so, yes, there are other parts in the Bible, too, that teach us how to tell us about how to pray effectively. Uh, but the Psalms is an entire book of worship uh, to God on all levels. Uh, worshiping when I'm angry, worshiping when I'm depressed. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. That's worship. You know, um, when I come to God because I'm angry, you know, Lord, my enemies have rose up against me. You know, they're doing this and that to me. You know, uh, Lord, you know, uh, don't let them gain over me. Unto thee, O Lord, the Psalms 25, do I lift up my soul. Uh, oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. By the way, that's one of the praise songs. That's why I can remember it. On thee be ashamed. And so a lot of these psalms and the early praise songs, like praise one, praise two, the, the, a lot of this, these psalms and stuff were put to music. And I wish people, the more modern writers would continue to do that. Take the psalms. If you're a songwriter or a musician, 
read some of the psalms and put put music to it that's all you got to do the, the song is already written the worship is already there it's just a matter of putting some music to it and so you could you can do that that's what i what i recommend um the second chapter of acts it did psalms 93 from off the man it's on the mansion builder album um the Lord reigns, he is clothed with the majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It shall not be moved. It shall not be moved. And thy throne is established from of old. Thou art from everlasting. And thy throne is established from of old. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. But mightier than the, the pounding of the waves, the Lord our God is the Lord our God. So those are those are and, and and i'm saying this because when you put it to music it helps the saints to memorize we want to we want to memorize scripture so i encourage anyone who does music please put the scriptures to music and that will help the church to memorize uh things um uh, which is very important uh but you, you know you go through the song all these all everything i just did there was acts of word all that was worship all that i just did just now was worship those are acts of worship when you read the psalms you know, I used to think, you know, uh, you had to, like, make stuff about a whole cloth, which you can. I guess you can kind of freestyle. So you can do the, the regular one with the, reading the Psalms, or you can freestyle and just out of express out of your own heart, your own feeling, Lord, I love you. I thank you because of your magnificence, how you saved me, and you're keeping me by the power of your Holy Spirit. I, Lord, I don't know how to, I'm indebted to you. I don't know, I, don't, I can't repay you, but help me to live a life that's pleasing to you, et cetera. Things like that. That's that's freestyling. That's a freestyle right there. So you can do both. I'm not saying one, it's not one versus the other. You can do both. You can freestyle if you feel like it. But equally, there's nothing wrong with with reading, uh, just reading through the Psalms. You know, and and uh, and and worshiping God. So all those things are are you know kind of go together. Look at this Psalms. Um, Psalms twenty seven. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes. Everybody has adversaries and foes. I have adversaries and foes, and you do. It is they who stumble and fall. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. See that? And you have that confidence because your confidence is in God. This is worship, saying what I just did, what I'm doing right now, reading these psalms. These are acts of worship. And look at what he says here: and prayer, and praise. It's all wrapped up here. Worship, prayer, praise, all wrapped up here in the psalm. Here's a prayer: One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. That's one. That's one of my favorites. That that, that Psalms twenty-seven four. Um, so though the, all those are acts of worship and consecration and dedication to the Lord. So let's go over here to Psalms 37. That's why I like some of, I did like the Rastaman vibrations, not the idea of smoking weed. I'm not talking about that, but a lot of what Bob Marley put to music was just scripture. And, and that's one of the reasons why I loved it. Um, regardless of what his motivations were, you know, I guess in his own faith or whatever, his own understanding of the Bible, he was putting stuff to, 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 to scripture. And I said, you know, why don't we more Christian musicians do that? Uh, fret not yourself because of evildoers, Psalms 37. 
Be not envious of, of wrongdoers, for they will soon be fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend, and befriend faithfulness. Make faithfulness your friend. Delight yourself in the Lord. Lord, I delight you. So when you read that, you say, Lord, I want to delight myself in you, Lord. God, I want to put my trust and confidence in you, Lord. I want you not to give me my desires in the sense of I have a desire, now give it to me. I want you to put your desires in me is basically what the, the concept here is. God putting, giving me the, the things that I should properly desire, God will give me those desires in my heart. Lord, I commit my way to you, Lord. I trust in you, God, because I know you will act. Lord, uh, bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as a noonday. Lord, I want, I want your righteousness to come forth. And we look at our government, Lord, and we say, Lord, please bring forth justice, true justice in our government so that the people who, who should be punished get punished and those who don't, won't. Enough with the conspiracy theories. We don't know what's going on, but we do know, we do know that God knows what's going on. And God knows who should be taken down, who should not be. Um, I think some that, and myself included, some might were too quick just to say what we want God to do to various individuals, simply because we don't like them. But, you know, a lot of times you just got to put the whole situation in God's hand. Because nobody really knows exactly what's going on behind closed doors. We think we do. We might know some things, bits and pieces. We don't know the full story. But God, who stands outside of time and eternity, in eternity, he sees beginning to end. He sees everything. And he sees the thoughts and the intentions and the motivations of the human heart. And he knows how to act accordingly uh, in ways that we that we would do. Um, so again, the Psalms is a great place to worship. Please get into the Psalms. Pick your Bible up and start to go through the Psalms. I think this year I would encourage you in your Bible reading, if you haven't, uh, incorporate the Psalms into your Bible reading. Please make that a point and really get into it and let God, let, let, let the Word of God really dwell in you richly so that uh, those Psalms and, and it will come out of you at the proper time and that you, you, you will be enriched. It will enrich your soul. It will strengthen your worship before God and you'll be able to worship God on a level heretofore you have never known. That's right. I went King Jimmy on you there. Heretofore you have never known. Uh, so very important. All right, now let's talk about my next favorite topic, hymns, psalms, and hymns. I have an old hymn book here in my, in my hand. It's called the Service Hymnal. I believe it is a mistake for the church to jettison the hymns. And I personally will not attend a church where the hymns are never sung. I'm not saying you have to sing every single song has to be a hymn. But we can't jettison the hymns. We can't throw them out. I think that's a that's a big, big, big mistake. Uh, during the dark ages in Europe, when literacy was very, very low and people weren't really reading or that well educated in, in reading, one of the things that they the the, the, the the church got right was it created the hymns. And the hymns were had to be biblically based. So that people would teach, if you want to teach people the great truths of scripture, the great doctrines of the church, how do you communicate that? You have to write, you write hymns and with music to it. So you can either put the Psalms to music, which some of them did, but then the hymn writers took the great doctrines and great teachings of the Bible, put music to it, 
And so when the people were singing the hymns, music music is the easiest way to remember anything, to memorize anything. Because we all like that music. You know, kids know the lyrics to all the hip-hop songs and everything else. Well, in the same way, when you start singing the hymns and it's put to music, and, and again, genre has nothing to do with it. I don't care what, pick your genre. I don't care. But just take the great truths of the Word of God, put some music to it, and you'll be surprised how people will begin to, to learn the words. And then once they learn the words, then you can discuss the meaning of the words and they'll like it because it's a song that I like and it helps you to remember things. There's a hymn that I used to sing in Bible college. And when I was in Bible college, I one thing that I deeply appreciated with the school that I went to was that they loved the hymns. And then um, they taught me the hymns and that has stuck with me my entire life. I've never, I've never forgotten that. And I know some people have left the school who may not say, oh, you're still singing him hymns. That's right. I sing the hymns and I'm not going to stop. I believe that was one of the best things that that school did for me was getting me into the hymns. And I, I make no apologies for that. And there's a one hymn that was done by, uh, done by the Salvation Army by, his name was, uh, how could I forget this guy? William Booth. <laughs> William Booth. Um, and he was the founder of the Salvation Army. He wrote a, a hymn called O Boundless Salvation. Let me just go over this with you right quick because this, this, this is powerful. And what it does, it chronicles, because it was an evangelistic tool, it, it chronicles the whole salvation process. O Boundless Salvation, Devotion of Love. O fullness of mercy Christ brought from above, the whole world redeeming, so rich and so free, not flowing for all men, come roll over me. Look what he says here. My sins, they are many. Their stains are so deep, and bitter the tears of remorse that I weep. But useless is weeping, thou great crimson sea. Thy waters can cleanse me, come roll over me. He's saying, look, my sins are many, and the stains are deep. And I'm weeping tears, but these tears, these tears that I'm weeping are not sufficient to deal with the problem. But he says, I'm going to turn to the crimson sea, the blood of Christ. That's what the crimson sea is. And the waters of Christ, the blood of Christ can cleanse me. And now he wants Christ to send that blood in his direction to wash over him, to cleanse him. And there's more verses in here, but we would just sing like the... the when we get to the next verse, verse 6, I'm going to skip a couple here for the sake of time. But you can go back and read the whole thing. The tide now is flowing. I'm touching the wave. I hear the loud call of the mighty to save. Christ is calling him, come and get into the, get into the tide. Get into the tide. Come and get, get washed clean. And his faith is growing bolder. Delivered he'll be. He plunged beneath the waters. They roll over me. And now he gets saved. The last verse, after he gets saved. And now, hallelujah, the rest of my days shall gladly be spent and promoting his praise, who opened his bosom to pour out the sea of boundless salvation for you and for me. Okay, so that's one. Let's look at another hymn. I'm just going to take a uh, another one of my favorites, Amazing Love. Amazing Love lyrics, written by... Um, not the new one with Chris Tomlin, uh, which is actually a, a takeoff of the one with West. I'm talking about the initial one 
written by uh, John Wesley or Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley was a hymn writer. And by the way, his brother John made sure it was theologically correct. He couldn't just write any hymn and put it out there. John would have to go over it and make sure that it was correct. And so that's uh, the other thing that we have to look at as well. Okay, and can it be that I should gain our amazing love? Um, and look at look what he says here. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? Listen to this. It's a mystery all. The immortal dies. Christ was God. And by definition, God is immortal, but yet he died. How can the immortal die? See, they're taking the doctrines of the church and they're putting it into the hymns to make you think, hmm, the immortal dies. That's a contradiction. How'd that happen? Christ is both God and man. And in his humanity, he died. In his human nature, he died. But in his divine nature, he never died. That's how he pulled that off. But you see, if, if, if the song that wasn't in the song, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought about that. Tis mystery all the immortal dies. Who can explore his strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph. In vain the angels try to sound the depths of love divine. Tis mercy all. Let earth adore. Let angels' minds inquire no more. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace. Emptied himself of all but love. Christ emptied himself of everything but love. And he bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me. My favorite verse here. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, I was fast bound in sin and nature's night. Your eye diffused a quickening ray, I woke the dungeon flame with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and I followed thee. Now, because I'm saved and Christ has set me free, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. See, hymns, powerful, powerful stuff in here. And yet we, we, we've jettisoned this stuff. Uh, and, and, and the church no longer sings, oh, we don't want to sing them those don't tie hymns. They got a hundred verses. Yeah, some of them were long. I, I grant it. And there was some there are some bad hymns too. But I'm just picking out the good ones. Uh and so there are a lot of hymns that, you know, I was sinking deep in sin, love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the ways heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. These are, there's, there's a depth of teaching and, you, and, and people will get a theological framework, a context and richness when they go through the hymns and then they began to see, well, oh, wow, this, this is a hymn. Man, this is deep. Um, so again, in, 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 uh, very important. And so, but when we jettison the hymns, we, it, was, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. And just because young people don't like the hymns and we want to be hip and cool, now we've got these stupid songs that are out here now. And yes, yeah, some of them are just plain stupid and dumb, you know, you know. Um, and 
some of them are so bad. I, I, I can't even go over some of them with you because you know what? I, I didn't even try to memorize them. I just heard them and I would just missed them out of, out of my head. And I was like, what is this? You know, and you know, either they're, you know, they, 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 they get a little, a little beat going and they talk about, you know, um, about, you know, I got money, I got money, you know, uh, he, I got the cash, I got the cash, I got the cash, I got the money. Um, yeah, that was some guy was singing that craziness. I don't know. I, I don't. I can't even do it well. But anyway, because I, I didn't really care for it. Um, also, in addition to that, um, you know, the hymns, like I said, are rich in theology and rich in and and then different types of hymns. Hymns for a particular type of service. There are hymns when you want to do missionary service. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. The hymns, the hymns. And again, I'm not exhausting this. I'm just simply saying we should not have jettisoned the hymns. That's a mistake. You can do the new songs, add to it, but don't don't throw it out. Um, you throw out the baby with the bathwater is what you just did once you get rid of the hymns. And um, the deepness and richness of the hymns is, um, is, is second to none. Sorry, I had to hydrate there. My throat was getting dry. So again, I'm going through the hymn book here. Um, you know, Amazing Grace written by... Oh, Amazing Grace is... He was he has slaves. That's why we shouldn't sing Amazing Grace. Well, they don't tell you. He was a slave trader. John Newton was a slave trader and a pirate and, 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 and transporting drugs and opium and a whole lot of other nonsense. When he got saved, he stopped trading slaves. When he got saved, he actually uh, encouraged Wilberforce to bust slavery in England. He became an abolitionist. After he got saved, that's what people don't want. Don't want to tell you. And when he wrote the hymn, that's why he said, "Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch." He admitted, "I was a wretch. I was a slave trader, opium addict, transporting drugs. I was a pirate. I was uh, a, 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 a I was involved in debauchery and lust. I was just out there. Anything you can think of in the world that was illegal or bad, that was me." John, me referring to John Newton. But then he gets saved, and he says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, you know, we've no less praise days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That's why he wrote Amazing Grace. Because grace was amazing for him, because we wouldn't want him to get saved. We want him to burn in hell. But God was amazing and had mercy upon him and saved him. As a result of getting saved, he stopped being a slave trader. So let's tell the whole story. All right. Again, like I said, I'm not exhausting anything. I just want to whet your appetite a little bit. Um, I'm not going to dwell so much on the negatives. because uh, There's a lot of songs I can... <laughs> But if I mentioned how some of these songs are poorly written, you probably would, you'd be surprised. 
but I'm going to try to stick with some of the positives. I only have a limited amount of time here. And yes, I could extend the podcast, but I decided I'm not going to do that. I try to keep it within the one hour range, a little bit over sometimes. So let's talk about spiritual songs, spiritual songs, psalms, hymns, and now spiritual songs. And so there are a lot of things that are written, you know, there's a lot of controversy with Hillsong and some of their songs. And I think most of their praise songs aren't that bad. They're they're fine. They're they don't they don't plumb the depths like the hymns do. A lot of it is surfacey stuff. But it's just there's just enough of a good message in there that you, I wouldn't jettison them. I know some people don't like me saying that. Um, you know, some some people think you shouldn't sing Hillsong at all. But I don't agree with that. I think that um, they've written some good songs and and some of this stuff is okay. Um, but I think that's why it gets into trouble because it's just that it's just okay. It doesn't, they don't dig down deep like the hymns. And so a lot of what they're doing is on the surface. Um, it doesn't really plumb the depths and you don't, and yet, if you want doctrine, you're not going to get a lot of good doctrine out of Hillsong. So that, that that's not what you're, that's not what you're going to get out of there, but you will get some praise and some worship. Um, and I think because of some of the, uh, their doctrines as a church body are, off i think that's why people say don't listen to any of their songs but if a song is glorifying christ i'm not opposed to it at, at all so if you want to do some hill song that's fine um i'm not necessarily a big fan of theirs uh, let me say that and i don't go out of my way to find them but every now and then i hear a song or something i'm like oh okay that's fine it just it just doesn't go deep enough for for me uh, you would have to determine that you know where you're at it yourself. I like the hymns because of, of, there's a richness and depth that you will that you will not find in Hillsong. Um, they might have one or two maybe that actually plumbs the depth, but but if you want Christianity light and you just want to do something on the surface, um, I suppose that's fine too. And not everybody's in a place where they can delve into the great truths of Scripture just yet. But as you mature and grow, eventually. You're going to see what I'm talking about. You'll outgrow, you'll outgrow Hillsong uh, eventually. Um, unless you're in a mood for something light and poppy. Um, and yes, I do have some of the Hillsong on my playlist as well. But it's not a lot, and I can't I can only do that for so long before I return back to the hymns. Okay, spiritual songs. So a lot of songs, they're not hymns, they're not songs but there's there are spiritual songs and they, they're good for worship two of my favorite is one by uh one song that i like is by is uh, in christ alone i love that song um let me see if i can google that here for you right quick um but yeah that's a song i i, I like uh, it's called In Christ Alone. And uh, by Keith and Kristen uh, Getty, I believe it is, is who it's by. And let's look at some of the lyrics of that. I, I, I love this. Um, In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought, 
the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in love, here in the love of Christ I stand. And Christ alone who took on flesh, he's the fullness of God and helpless, and helpless babe. This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. And then I think uh, at the final verse is, No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. I love that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spiritual song, but I love it. So again, I'm not against him. Just, just write good stuff. Another song that I like, that I think is quite... Uh, that I like, that I really like, is um, by Olita Adams. And yes, she's done some secular music and sung some other crazy stuff as well. But, you know, every once in a while, people just get it right. And, um, and this song is called Holy is the Lamb. And uh, let's look at the lyrics of that. Holy is the Lamb. First of all, holy, 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 holy. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb. Blessed is He, strong and mighty. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb. He's filled with glory, comfort, and mercy. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb. Oh, come and bow before Him. I love that part. Man, I just want to fall out of my seat sometimes. Oh, come and bow before him, love and adore him. Sing praises to him, for he's holy. Precious is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, come and bow before him, love and adore him. Sing praises to him, for he is holy. And she says, faithful, precious, worthy. Again, simple, but yet powerful um, in terms of worshiping, worship towards the Lord. And uh, you find that a lot of the early contemporary Christian artists, because they had a template of the hymns, their music is is solid. You go back to uh, Andre Crouch, you go back to Keith Green, um, and you know early Amy Graham. Even though now she's crossed over to secular, now a lot of her music has swung back around. Um, I, I love I, I love I like all Amy Graham's music, I like all, all of Andre Crouch's music. Um, those are probably and Keith Green. Those are probably my three favorite of all time, um, and uh, even Amy Secular I like, but I like more so her spiritual. She wrote a song called um, "Better Than a Hallelujah," and uh, that song. Well, actually, she didn't write. It. Somebody else wrote the lyrics, but she sung it and she picked it up and and really did a good job with it. Um, you know, better than a hallelujah lyric. Here we go. God loves a lullaby in a mother's tears in the dead of night. Better than a hallelujah sometimes. 
God loves the drunkard's cry. The soldiers plead not to let him die. Better than a hallelujah. See, it, the point of that song is, and this is this song is, I mean, this song really hit me hard because in a good way. Because what she's saying is, you know, when you're in church and everything is going right, it's easy to say hallelujah, you know, and praise the Lord when everything is going right. But a lot of that can become cliche. Remember last podcast I talked about cliche? You know, hallelujah can become cliche as well. You know, it gets overdone. And we say hallelujah because we're expected to say it. But God is looking past. God wants to get past that hallelujah to the, to the deepest regions of our core of our being. So sometimes when a mother is, is in the dead of night is praying for her, the life of her child, that speaks more to God than just saying hallelujah. Because deep calls on the deep. God looks into that woman's soul. He says, oh, she's really crying out to me in earnest. Because of the earnestness, of the truthfulness, a reality. My child is dying. This is not cliche. I'm crying out to God for the life of my child. The drunkard's cry. That drunkard is like, I can't, I can't continue to live like I need to stop doing this. And that person calls out to God. The soldiers plea. When you're on a battlefield, battlefield, and you think you're about to die. You ain't got time for a whole lot of hallelujah. You got, but you got time to cry out to God. God, please don't let me die out here. Please don't let me die, because that's it, it's coming from from the depths. Here's here's the thing, saints. This is what I was saying about the Psalms. We pour out our miseries. When we're pouring out our miseries, our pain, our guilt, our anger, our frustrations to God. That's a beautiful melody to God. Do you get that? God's like, finally, we got down, you know, working as a counselor with Teen Challenge and with Pivot Ministries, uh, you know, I I, uh, I learned that in counseling, the first couple of times you sit down to counsel with somebody or talk with someone, they never tell you the whole truth. Everything is surfacing. But once the, the relationship is built and the bridges and the walls come down and that person starts to pour out all that pain and suffering and where they're really at and start telling you the truth about themselves, that's what God is looking for. You know, he doesn't, you know, he, he, God wants those walls. Now, he sees it, but he wants you to break through, break down those walls, come out and tell him what's really going on with you, what's really happening on the inside. That's why God says, that's why I like it, which is we pour out our misery. But all God hears is a melody. When we start to pour out all that stuff, when we finally get real with God, that's what that's what the song is about. Getting real with God. Where I'm really at. I'm, God, I'm scared. God, I'm crying out. My child is dying. Lord, I need you now because uh, the woman holding on for life, the dying man giving up the fight are better than a hallelujah. God, I can't fight anymore. I, I'm dying. I, I, I give up. We pour out our miseries. God hears a melody. Beautiful the mess. God, our mess in the hands of Jesus becomes beautiful because God says, why is it beautiful? Because it's a mess. No, because now I can I can get in there and do and work. I'm going to work on, the, on your mess. Beautiful the mess we are. The honest cries of the honest cries of breaking hearts. God wants honest cries. God wants honest prayers. Real with God, not cliches. Better than a church bell ringing, better than a choir singing out, singing out. We pour out our miseries. God just hears a metal, melody. Beautiful the mess we are.
The honest cries of breaking hearts are better than a hallelujah. That is a powerful song. I love that. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I love that. All right, let's look at something by Keith Green here. I like everything Keith Green did. I don't even know where to start. But let's talk about um, uh, Make My Life a Prayer to You from his No Compromise album. And by the way, anything that anything by Keith Green, I just get it. It's going to be good. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yes, he died. You know, back in the in the eighties, he, he was a twenty eight died in a plane crash. Um, so you know, the music is not quote unquote up to date. But uh, if you want good lyrics and good good stuff, then yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's look. Make my life a prayer to you, Keith Green. Uh, let's see here. Make my life a prayer to you. I want to do what you want me to. No empty words, no white lies, no token prayers, and no compromise. I want to shine the light you gave through your son you sent to save us from ourselves and our despair. It comforts me to know that you're really there. Well, I want to thank you now. I want, I want to thank you now for being patient with me. It's hard to see when my eyes are on me. It's hard for me to see when my eyes are on me. Wow. I guess I'll have to trust and just believe what you say. That you're, gonna, that you're coming again, coming to take me away. I want to die so that you can live. Your life in me so that I might live. And share the hope you gave to me, the love that set me free. I want to die and let you give your life to me. I want to die to self so that I can you can give your life to me. Wow. I want to tell the world out there you're not some fable or fairy tale that I've made up inside my head. You're the God, the Son, and you've risen from the dead. Wow. Wow. Yeah. See, those are songs. They're spiritual songs. I like some of Matt Redman. You know, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Simple song, you know, and, um, you know, powerful lyrics. So I'll just take a look at that. I was going to skip over that, but you know what? I changed my mind. Um, so let's do it this way. Bless the Lord, Oh, My Soul by Matt Redman. Okay, let's look and see if we can find the lyrics. It's called 10,000 Reasons. That's the name of the song. 10,000 Reasons. I think Matt Redman and John Merrin wrote that. Uh, and so again, you know, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Okay, here we go. Lyrics, 10,000 Reasons. Lyrics. This is, the, this is the name of the song. And let's see if I can. Oh, yeah, here we go. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever my, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. See, though, there's, this is a simple song. It doesn't have a lot of, uh, of you know, heavy verses to it, but it gets the, it gets the message across. Um, you're rich in love and slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. 
For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. And I love this last verse. He says, on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore, forevermore. Blessed Lord, oh my soul. I love that. Um, you know, God of wonders, another one, you know, uh, throughout our galaxy, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy. So there are some good modern psalms and hymns. And so you want to get a good collection of hymns, psalms, and yes, yeah, some of the modern spiritual songs. You want to get all of it and build yourself a nice little library, a nice little playlist of worship that you can play in your car when you're going down. You, you can go to iHeartRadio. I think it's, 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 uh, you can download a certain amount of uh, songs for free. I have my playlist on there as well. And you can have the songs that you like and, and, and worship as you're going up the road. You know, um, I, a couple of, of the songs that I didn't like, um, one song about let's get back to eating, sitting on top of the world. The Bible begins in a garden and ends in a city. We're not going back to eating, people. That's just never happening. So we're not going back to eating. Um, you know, things of that nature. So, again, there are some good songs out there. Maybe on the next podcast, I'll look at some of the bad songs. But I wanted to start with the positives today. I want to be very positive and upbeat today and just encourage you to get into the hymns, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And uh, like I said, a lot of good stuff, both old and new. I'm 63 years old, so I go back to a lot of the older stuff. You don't have to be like me. There's probably some good modern songs that are out there. And like I said, um, you know, as, and, and with any, it's not just hill songs. With anything, you got to be discerning and, and ask yourself, what am I singing? And sometimes go home and look up the lyrics and think about them. Meditate on some of those lyrics and some of those songs and say to yourself, what are they even talking about here? Uh, is this exalting and, and glorifying God or is it just singing about me and my personal problems? You know, what's going on here? So we want to, as believers, uh, create yourself a nice playlist and have it for your worship time. Uh, sometimes I set the music. I set, you know, uh, you know, uh, like I talked about setting atmosphere. I do that sometimes. I come up in, a, in my room here and I, I, I play some worship music in the background. I'm reading and praying and playing the word of God. Um, anything that's going to enhance your time of worship. Thank God for technology. Thank God, you know, I can't play the piano or whatever. So even if I had a piano in my house, it wouldn't do me any good. But I... You got the music right there now. You can just play the music and you can listen to it and it can encourage you in your, in your prayer life. You're taking a road trip. I can't. So I like driving in, in the sense that when I get in the car, I like to listen to, 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 to good praise and worship music as I'm driving along sometimes. And yes, I don't always listen to it, but I, I do um, I do like to spend that time, when I, that quality time with the Lord. And I'll say, okay, I'm in the car, I'm alone, and I'm riding, and I could sing along with some of the worship songs. Um to kind of get me in that frame of mind to worship God. So again, different genres. Everybody has their own genre, their own style of, of music. So, um, you know, just find the one that fits you. And I think that's a challenge for worship leaders is finding a genre that everybody likes because you can't please everybody. So the worship leader just has to do the best they can under the circumstances. Um, a lot of the modern worship church singing songs they sing in churches, I'm, I, they're so professionally done. 
a guy like me who can't sing, I just I, I just can't keep up. And my voice cracks and it goes in all kinds of directions. Hymns are easier for me to sing, so um, th- that's probably why another reason why I probably like the hymns. It's that's what I call singable. And uh, but some of the modern songs, the music is just too complicated for me. I can't, you know, for me, I can't keep up. So, um, but it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the song. It just means I just can't keep up with it. That, but that's a me problem. That's not uh, a worship uh, leader's problem. So I want to thank everybody for listening, and hopefully I've said some things here, and maybe next time I'll talk a little bit about some of the songs we shouldn't be singing that are horrible, but I'll probably have to do a little bit more research on that. So God bless you. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. website set up as well as also getting uh, getting some other things put together so I can do some blogging etc so I just keep me in prayer that I'll be able to get that done and soon and I just again thank everybody I'm grateful anybody who listens um, this is not a podcast for uh, for fame and fortune but it is a podcast to simply tell the truth. And I know that when you tell the truth, you you, you actually end up losing people than instead of gaining people. But that's okay. Because that's what that's what this podcast is about. We're about the truth. So whether it's two, one, or a million, doesn't matter. This podcast is as long as I'm breathing, God willing, God gives me life and breath and good health. This podcast will be going forth and we'll do everything in our power to, to share the the gospel. Minus the dog and pony show and the theatrics that really have overshadowed the, uh, the church, sad to say. And many of our worship services look more like a like a clown show than actual genuine worship. That's right, I said it. And so this is the first installment in the series that we're doing on worship. Uh, we'll probably talk about some of the bad songs, and then we'll also talk about some of the ways the greatest problem, the greatest struggle in, in, for any worship leader in the church is the entertainment factor. I don't care if you, you sing, you dance, or whatever. There's a factor of entertainment in it. You can't get away from it. Even in preaching, if a preacher's not electrifying and entertaining, people aren't, you know, don't want to listen to it. Uh, but having said that, you got to find that balance so that you keep the entertainment down to a, a certain level. And make sure that it becomes more about worship. But I've seen some worship services now. The bands are so professional. They've got the lights and the smoke machines and the pyrotechnics and everything else. That it literally looks more like a secular concert. And I don't get the sense that I'm actually in a church worship service. And I understand why they do that. They're doing that for the center. Because the, the, the 
the Sunday morning service now has turned into evangelistic service. And they just want to get their after members. They're not really trying to disciple anybody. We just want membership in the body and seats. And get and then, you know, take nice fat offerings, etc. Um, well and good, but it, 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 what is a profit if these people come in there and then the, what, the worst part of it is that they, 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 people start to believe that they're saved because they're in the church and the gospel's not preached. People are coming to the church thinking that they're saved and being spiritual. All they're getting is self-help and they're not really getting the gospel that can bring a man from death to life. And that's really sad. Um, just so I can say I have a mega something. And I'm not anti-mega church. Whichever church, every church was a mega church, but in the true sense of the word, that the mega meaning a whole lot of people in there were saved, not just a whole lot of bodies and seats. A lot of our mega just has bodies and seats, and people aren't really getting saved, or even they're getting ministered to, but it's more self-help than anything else in psychology. Anyway, how did I get into that? I'm supposed to be wrapping this up. This is the epilogue. So God bless you. And thank you for listening, and I will see you, God willing, if God spares my life, I will see you again next week. God bless, and thanks for listening.